재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Good morning and welcome to The Bookend on TBS EFM 101.3 in the heart of Seoul, GFN 98.7 in Gwangju and 93.7 in Yeosu. It's Sunday, November 22nd, 2015 and I'm your host, Jamie Chang. At the top of our show today, we have our Helen Cho bringing us the latest from the world of books, followed by this week's roundtable on The Prince by Machiavelli. Our classic panelists, David Tizard and Patrick Arts, are here to discuss this classic manual for tyrants. And for today's first chapter, I'll read from Iwesu's Kosu, or Grandmaster. For today's music, we have queued up songs from Prince, starting with Kiss. Every Sunday, we start the show with Helen Cho's hot new releases. Helen is an award-winning freelance translator. Hi, Helen. Hello. How are you today? Good. How are you? Um, I'm good. I've been busy um, with translating with translating different stuff. Uh-huh. What are you translating these days? Um, I've got to translate Kong Ji Young's short story called Chunjenen Nunmuru Hulinda, or The Unbearable Sadness of Being, oh, for wow. one of my translation workshops. Mm-hmm. And what's challenging about translating Kong Ji-young? Well, um, getting started, really, because I haven't actually started <laughs> translating it yet. But When's I was it actually, due? Um, next week, so I do okay. have plenty of time. But I was reading well, it on my way in, and mm-hmm. I was reading it. Um, I must have looked so intense, because mm-hmm. I had my pen and highlighter mm-hmm. in one hand. I was mm-hmm. just reading it um, mm-hmm. to translate. <laughs> well, good luck. Thank you. So it's been a while since we last looked at international bestsellers. So why don't we start by discussing which titles are popular in the English-speaking market? Yes. Um, the top three spots on the top ten list um, have been taken up by new entries. Um, the Crossing by Michael Connolly takes the top spot, followed mm-hmm. by Stars of Fortune by Nora Roberts, The Bazaar of Bad Dreams by Stephen King in the second and third places, respectively. And I've also noticed that The Martian, uh, which um, we found on the Korean bestseller chart last week mm-hmm. is this week's fifth most popular title in the international bestsellers list mm-hmm. and and we have another very interesting new entry at number nine avenue of mysteries by john irving we'll come back to this in just a few moments mm-hmm. and i'll also have to mention another very interesting new title just off the top 10 chart the grown-up by Gillian flynn mm-hmm. 
So which hot new release from the international publishing industry would you like to introduce to our readers today? This week's number nine bestseller, Avenue of Mysteries by John Irving. Mm -hmm. John Irving is such a brilliant writer and one of the most admired and beloved writers of our time. I'm actually a huge fan of John Irving. I can tell from your voice. Yes, I'm getting excited. Um, Can you tell us more about the writer? And well, not only is he one of the most celebrated American novelists of our time, but is also an Academy Award-winning screenwriter. And he achieved critical and popular acclaim after the international success of The World According to Garp that came out in 1978. Mm-hmm. And um, some of his novels, such as The Cider House Rules, A Prayer for Owen Meany, A Widow for One Year, have all become bestsellers. And five of his novels so far have been adapted to um, films. Mm-hmm. And he won the Academy Award for the Best Adapted Screenplay in 1999 for his script for um, The Cider House Rules. Mm-hmm. So he's had a tremendously successful career. Can you tell us more about his um, literary career? How did he get started? Um, he all started quite early. Um, he was only 26 years old when he published his first oh, wow. book, Setting Free the Bears. It came out in 1968. Mm-hmm. And the novel did reasonably well among the critics. It got some good reviews, but it didn't sell. You know, it failed to gain a large readership that he was hoping for. And his second and third novels, The Water Method Man and The 158 Pound Marriage, had similar kind of lukewarm responses from the public. Mm -hmm. So what he did next was that he accepted a teaching position at at the university at Mount Holyoke College. Oh, no. (laughs) But lucky for us, though, he didn't give up writing altogether. Um, he got frustrated at the lack of promotion that his novels were receiving from mm-hmm. his first publisher, Random mm-hmm. House. I hope no one from the Random House is listening. Um, <laughs> so he offered his fourth novel, um, The Phenomenal, The World According to Gob, to Dutton that promised him stronger commitment to marketing. Mm-hmm. It sounded like he was certainly taking the book by the horns. Mm-hmm. And so how did Dutton do? Well, this novel, um, The World According to God, went on to become an international bestseller and a cultural phenomenon. Um, it won the uh, National Book Award for Fiction in 1980. Mm-hmm. And this book was later made into a film directed by um, George Roy Hill and starring Robin Williams in the title role and Glenn Close as his mother. And um, because I liked this book so much, I've mm-hmm. been consciously avoiding the film adaptation. Oh, really? Cause Why I would you know. do that? Because when you like a book so much, sometimes watching mm-hmm. its film adaptation just ruins it for you. The, oh, okay. You know, just your imagination, when you're, what you have in your mind. Mm-hmm. Although um, John Irving himself makes a brief cameo um, appearance oh, in the film. Does. Yes, okay. as oh, an official nice. in one of Gob's high school wrestling matches. So that's uh-huh. a definite plus. But I So still you haven't seen it, but you still about, know about it? Okay. Yes, but oh, I still don't have the heart fan. to see it. Okay. <laughs> So how did things go for him after the world, according to Garp? Um, well, things changed completely. Um, you know, Irving mm-hmm. went from an obscure academic literary writer to a household name. And now everybody was talking about him and his subsequent books became bestsellers. Mm-hmm. Um, next came um, his book, The Hotel New Hampshire, and sold really well despite re- mixed reviews from critics. And this book was also made into a film. Mm-hmm. And he won and the... O. Henry Award in 1980 for his short story called Interior Space. 
1985, he published uh, his next bestseller, The Cider House Rules. Mm-hmm. And it's a story, an epic story set in um, an orphanage. And the central topic of the story is abortion. And many have drawn parallels between the novel and Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist. Mm-hmm. The famous line, good night, you princes of Maine, you kings of New England. It's from the Cider House Rules. And I, I absolutely love that book, by the way. And um, I learned all about surrogate fatherhood mm. from that relationship between the, the main character and the orphanage doctor. It was such a great book. But <laughs> actually, my favorite was my absolute John Irving favorite is A Prayer for Owen Meany. Can you tell us about it? You can't just have one favorite when it comes to John Irving, can you? Well, yeah, that's yes. true. But anyway, tell us about yes. the book. So next came um, A Prayer for Owen Meany that came out in 1989. So it's another New England family epic about religion and it's set in a New England boarding school and in Toronto. And in this story, you can definitely see um, some influence of or further allusions to um, other writers like the German writer Gunter Grass or Nathaniel Hawthorne or Charles Dickens again. Mm-hmm. And and this one is really different from his previous works in that Irving, for the very first time, examined the consequences of the Vietnam War and particularly um, the system of mandatory conscription, mm-hmm. which was something that Irving himself uh, managed to avoid because he was a married father when um, it was time for the draft. Mm-hmm. So it became Irving's best-selling book since Scarb and is now a frequent feature on high school English reading lists, which mm-hmm. is all very well because everybody should read it. <laughs> Wait, did you also read it in high school? Um, not in high school, but... Okay. Yeah. yeah, I actually read it in, in college. So this is said at a boarding school. Mm-hmm. Did that speak to you at all? Um, in a way, um, it did make me actually think of my years at uh-huh. a boarding school. Uh-huh. But it was a pretty different experience, I think, for me. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So do you have a John Irving favorite? I think my favorite has to be um, The World According to God because mm-hmm. that was the book that introduced me to the world of John Irving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the first book is always always very special. It's very special. And I remember I read it when I was on holiday. I think I was in France or something. I just didn't mm-hmm. care mm-hmm. You know, about anything. Then Wait, was this on one of your travels? Yes. Okay. I read when I travel. I'm <laughs> such an unashamed geek. Um, yeah, and then, like, I didn't care about, like, this beautiful scenery surrounding me. All I wanted mm-hmm. was go back to my room and read. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can do anywhere in yes. the world. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about his brand new novel. What is Avenue of Mysteries about? Um, well, in this brand new book, um, Joan Irving returns to the themes that we're all very familiar with, which established him as one of our most admired authors. So um, in this book, we meet a 14-year-old boy named Juan Diego, mm-hmm. um, born and raised in Mexico, and he has a 13-year-old sister named Lupe. And she thinks she sees what's coming, um, so she is a mind reader, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't know what everyone is thinking, but then she knows what most people are thinking. Okay. So, you know, she is usually right about the past um, regarding what has happened as opposed to what's going to happen. So mm-hmm. she's the kind of person who knows all the worst things that have happened to you oh. without you telling her first. Wow. Can you imagine Lupe growing up and going on a date? She sits down, takes one look at the guy and says, nope. <laughs> or, or, or like, can you imagine being on a date with her, like unbeknownst to you? She knows everything about you. I know all the worst things that have happened to you. I'm yeah. glad it's not all the worst things that I have done. <laughs> so can she tell the future as well? 
Well, she doesn't know the future as accurately, um, but just think about, you know, what a terrible burden, what a pressure it must be, you know, if you believe that you know your future or, you know, even worse, the future of someone you love, someone so close to you. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what might a 13-year-old girl be driven to do if she thought she could change the future? Mm -hmm. I think that's also a familiar theme in John Irving novels, like... There's always these hints as to what disaster is coming, and it's. I think that's a big factor in maintaining that tension. Like you can't put it down, mm. right? And to think that that pressure is on a thirteen-year-old girl, yeah. something, yes, a very horrendous. Mm-hmm. And and we meet Juan Diego as an older man, and he takes um, a trip to the Philippines. But then, what he takes with him are his dreams and his memories, and he realizes that he's most alive in his childhood and early adolescence in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this book is a story of what happens to Juan Diego in the Philippines, where his past really um, catches up with his future um, and collides with his future. Mm-hmm. And you know, the idea is that sometimes we live most more, uh, we're most alive, or we live more vividly in the past mm-hmm. than in the present. Right. So, what kind of reviews has this book received? Um, it's been showered with compliments. Mm-hmm. A starred review in uh, the booklet says, I quote, an emphatically imagined, masterfully told, and utterly transporting tale of transcendent sacrifice and perseverance, unlikely love, and profound mysteries. Mm-hmm. And um, People magazine says, I quote, the character is a captivating original. His tale includes humor, pathos, and acute observations. Once again, Irving charms by blending the fantastical with what is deeply, affectingly real. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much all that you can ask for in a novel. Yeah, I cannot wait to read it. I understand you brought in an excerpt. Yes. Can you um, read us one? This is from, um, like, from the first chapter from very early on in mm-hmm. the book mm-hmm. um, when we meet um, Juan Diego, and it goes like this. Occasionally, Juan Diego would make a point of saying... I'm a Mexican. I was born in Mexico. I grew up there. More recently, he was in the habit of saying, I'm an American. I've lived in the United States for 40 years. Or, in an effort to defuse the nationality issue, Juan Diego liked to say, I'm a Midwesterner. In fact, I'm an Iowan. He never said he was a Mexican-American. It wasn't only that Juan Diego disliked the label, though he thought of it as such, and he didn't dislike it. What Juan Diego believed was that people were always seeking a commonality with the Mexican-American experience, and he could find no common ground in his own experience. More truthfully, he didn't look for it. What Juan Diego said was that he had two lives, two separate and distinctly different lives. The Mexican experience was his first life, his childhood and early adolescence. After he left Mexico, he had never gone back. He had a second life the American or Midwestern experience? Or was he saying that, relatively speaking, not a whole lot had happened to him in his second life? What Juan Diego always maintained was that, in his mind, in his memory certainly, but also in his dreams, he lived and relived his two lives on parallel tracks. A dear friend of Juan Diego's, she was also his doctor, teased him about the so-called parallel tracks, she told him he was either a kid from Mexico or a grown-up from Iowa all the time. Juan Diego could be an argumentative person, but he agreed with her about that. Wow. As a liminoid myself, that really speaks to me. I can't wait to read this book.
Well, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Helen, for coming in, and we'll see you again next Sunday. Yes, thanks for having me. Coming up next is today's roundtable, but first, let's listen to another track from Prince, Nothing Compared to You.